The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Gentlemen, welcome to UCI Conversations, a weekly public affairs program dedicated to exploring everything in the land of blue and gold with interviews of UCI leaders, innovators, and last but not least, zot, 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 everyday anteaters. I am your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, aka Timothy Toastmaster, excited and committed to bringing you informative inquisitive, and just plain fun, positive talk radio. So here we go. All right. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Today, my guest for this 15-minute abbreviated edition of UCI Conversations is the one, the only James Carville, an American political commentator, media personality, and prominent figure in the National Democratic Party. Last week, he was a keynote speaker on campus at a cybersecurity election hacking conference. A couple of James Carville's most noteworthy accomplishments include, and get this, being lead strategist of the 1992 successful presidential campaign of then-Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton. He has also frequently made appearances on TV with his conservative commentator wife, Mary Madeline, and he is currently a communications professor at LSU, Louisiana State University. We started off our conversation discussing how cybersecurity was a non-issue in 1992. Is a cybersecurity conference. Right. How much of a priority is cybersecurity for our nation? Oh, man, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to see what the experts have to <laughs> say. This, this is not my area. But, I mean, who would have thunk it? It was all in the middle of politics. You know, I would have thought it would have been in the national defense or patents or, you know, something like that. But uh, It has just arrived on this. I mean, it's been creeping, creeping, and now all of a sudden it's like... No, I, I, Brian and I were talking at lunch. And said, what are you done at night? Completely foreign. I never thought about it. I mean, yeah. It's not. They were talking about this. The Russians came to... It was Humphrey in 68. Right. And he turned them over, and you know, Gore got. I mean, this is really a screw. And, 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 you know, by the way, the people that were really worried about it were the founding fathers. They were, get, the founding it. fathers, if he wrote the Constitution, were almost paranoid about foreign interference in our elections. Right. So it's been there. You know, the whole internet and accessibility can happen, and you don't even know it. Right. During the Clinton days, was this a? I never heard anything about it. Never heard anything about it. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you they wasn't doing anything. Yeah, but it wasn't a priority at that point. Well, during the campaign, it wasn't. I, I never, never thought about it. I mean, yeah. You know, it had to have like a burn basket and headquarters all the time. It's kind of like why you doing that? But yeah, it's, no. There's a lot of anticipation for the 2020 election, yet no Democratic frontrunner seems to be coming out. What are your impressions? Well, I think it's good there's not a frontrunner. The Democratic Party, in my opinion, we need a lot of candidates 
a lot of younger, when I say younger, seasoned candidates in, you know, mid-60s to mid-40s. Mm. Somebody's got to go out there and take control of what the party's agenda, what it's about, win elections, show they can do things. That's very necessary here. I think there's a real danger that the party makes too hard a lurch to the left. And I think that would be not good. I mean, the kinds of people that are winning elections, and I'm looking at Ralph Northam, I'm looking at Doug Jones, I hope I'm looking at Connor Lamb tonight, are, they're Democrats, there's no doubt about that, but they are rooted in the community, they're grounded people, they're not loud, they're not, you know, people are reacting to what they're seeing now, and they're not looking for bomb throwers right now. It's not what the country is. If the country is wants, you know, a little rebalance ourselves. So do I hear moderation? Well, I, I, I don't, moderation is po- some power, but, but, but personal moderation is very important. The, the way that you comport yourself, all right? When I, that, what I think, is even more essential than ideological moderation. I think you, you, I don't think people are looking for you know, hardcore, free health care, free college, I think that's going to blow up in your face at some point. But certainly we can, Obamacare, we can bring strength in it, we can do better things, get more access to education, and we can talk about these kind of things, we can talk about strengthening retirement security. I mean, I'm very much in the climate, I don't think, I think people are really looking to do something there. But so, but when I, when, one of the things is, it's up. You know, St. Francis, I'm telling these 2008 candidates, that St. Francis told his disciples, he says, go forth and teach the gospel. Speak if necessary. Speaking is one method of communication. Deportment, demeanor, style, they're all, that's all a method of communication. And, and, you know, everything about Trump is excess, is braggadocious, is crude it's it's and then people are understandably and kind of revolting against that that leads me to my next question the, the country's so polarized can you give examples of how your wife and you get along <laughs> you know what? i'm a big believer in kick the can down the road <laughs> there's a lot of cans at the end of this road <laughs> you know uh, we have other interests Children, we have civic interests. Uh, we're traveling. We're going to Asia here into this week. Where are you going? To Asia. Going, we speak oh. on a cruise ship, and so we're oh, going okay. to go to Vietnam. Okay. You know. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Do we have some common ground on, on kind of local issues and stuff? But is it difficult even for you guys to speak on national issues? Yeah, we just don't do it together. We learn. We don't have to do that anymore. It kind of works for me. I can't. I don't. I don't know if there's a larger message <laughs> in this. That, but it, it it takes two to fight. If one's not fighting, then you know, and, and we can afford two television sets. I don't really watch TV that much. A show watch box, and I'll go on the internet and read John Shade or Josh Marshall or something. What about, uh, you know, these are big issues, big questions. No problem. Reasonable gun control. Do you see hope for that? I don't know. I was in the Marine Corps. I was out here. Uh, you know, I grew up in rural South Louisiana. I was a kid that could ride a horse before I could ride a bike. I have, I have a place in the Shenandoah Valley. It's the big, biggest, second biggest day of the year after Christmas. I'd still say Christmas is number one, but close second is the opening of hunting, deer hunting season. I don't even know the argument 
that you need military weapon. I, I, I'm 15, I'm 16, more powerful than what I've trained in the Marine Corps. I'm 14. And it's just weird. It's really strange. Uh, they've just built this whole thing, and I thought, they're not going to have. You're not going to stop people from hunting in western Pennsylvania or, or you know, Shenandoah Valley of Virginia or Louisiana. It's, it's very part of their life and their culture, but 18-year-old buying a assault weapon? You know, and I, the problem is this: you can't unring a bell. There's so many of them out there. When I say China, what conjures up for you? Well, <clears throat> there is a book, not that hard to navigate called the, the Citadel's Trap. It's by a guy named Graham Allison. Graham Allison's point, if you read it, scared the hell out of it. That the Citadel's was the first great historian and he did the history of the Peloponnesians War, Athens and Sparta. He says 13 times in world history, this was the first time you had an established power, Athens, you had a rising power, Sparta. It was handled poorly and it was the end of Greece. It was a disaster. You know, the, the most prominent example we know now, 2018, 1918, ended established power Britain, a rising power Germany. It ended very poorly. He says there's no more of a Thucydides trap in history than we have right now. Established power the United States, rising power China. Statecraft, diplomacy, smart strategy, open lines of communication can hopefully prevent this. But it's going to take some real hard work. And I think I, when you read it, you're like, see, this guy's got a point. People, like anybody else, people disagree with Ram Allison, and he's not born and put in charge of the world, but he makes some really good points. And it really calls, some, you know, sometimes when I speak, it's the people in my family say, James, you don't understand, this is not the same world we grew up in. And it, you're right, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, we, we're not the, if I, when I graduated from LSU Law School, it was one black, three women. Hey, no one even knew what a Sony TV or BMW was. Japan and Germany were still flat on their back. Well, same thing when I was here. In the, we still had dumb wars. We were very capable of doing that, but we've always been capable of doing that. Proving that over and over again. And we got to be very, very smart as to how we adjust. I look out, I keep talking to people out here. This is a stunning place. I mean, this is preparing people really for, this is the new world, man. It's, Hispanic students, Asian students, everything you can imagine out here. You know, big STEM school. It's stunning. It's good. There's a lot of good, there are good things happening, but we need to have more of them and accelerate it. If you joined us late, you are listening to UCI Conversations with my guest, national political commentator James Carville. I like how you say we have to be smart and we have to work really hard. I mean, hard. I, there's, there's, no two ways about it, and I don't really hear that in the dialogue. I mean, no, it's y- like we're gonna go and have a. It's it's insane. I mean, nations have interests that always don't coincide, and you, it takes a little bit of an understanding of what uh, another nation or what what it is. I mean, in the, you know, we built up huge reservoir of expertise. It's called a state department. You know, it's the work there. You, 
got to pass the test, it's not many people can pass. And you develop a career and you've been there capable of making mistakes like anybody else and they're like a big bureaucracy that protects itself so you got to be a little bit skeptical of them. But wow, man, I've, I've worked with those guys. I did some democracy work in Iraq and Afghanistan and they don't know what they're doing. They know their history and everything. How about Russia? You got to, we, I think a fair person said we probably were aggressive if, if they were. We got a setback and all of a sudden the Russians were in Guatemala, Jamaica, and, you know, the Bahamas with the treaties. Uh, having said that, man, it, this, they have a different worldview, a really different kind of value system than we do, and Henry Kissinger, who history will, uh, you know, talk to some people, he's the worst man ever lived, you know, some people, he's a very smart guy, I don't know, but he said something, uh, a friend of mine, the lunch he was at, and he said, our policy toward China and Russia should be this, we should be on friendly terms with them and they all with each other. Say that again. We should be on friendlier terms with China and Russia than China and Russia all with each other. That's our kind of stated goal, which is a modest goal, but they don't have, they don't like much care for each other either. We're not, the world is such, we're not the only people that people hate anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we're doing a terrible, terrible era in dissing Europe. And he doesn't even know. I mean, there was a great column in the paper this morning. He said, Trump doesn't even understand that the fundamental trade. So he says that it's so unfair. The EU is the big target because they have a 19% VAT and they all up. So if they sell a Ford truck over there, you pay a 19% VAT. Yeah, and if you sell a Mercedes, you pay a 19% VAT. It's, it's, a, it's a neutral tax. Just like if you build a plane here, You've got to pay a car, you got to pay the sales tax. It's just a, the inability to grasp the, the even the most. I mean, this is eighth grade economics. In common it's sense, the, yeah. yeah. Finally, I'll leave you with an easy question balanced budget. Will, will we? Yeah, what? What? So, so, so we had this outcry. We were all going to die. The deficit was going to kill us. Paul Ryan was... They don't even... They've exploded it so much. Look, anything, over a period of time, and the, the idea is this, and, and it, it's, it's counterintuitive, but when you think about it, it, it makes perfect sense. And you're doing What you're supposed to do is when the demand goes down in the private sector, the government is supposed to spend money because it can get money at low interest rates, it can build things, it can buy things, and it, it gets the economy back right. If, if people, you know, Keynes just, but Keynes said the you spend when times are bad, but he also said you save when times are good. But when everybody else is saving, the government should spend. When everybody else is spending, the government should say we're doing just the opposite it doesn't if you say it in a bar the first time you say it you know and it's well 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 to operate like like the household does balance the budget you know we should when 
demand is high, but you know, now, you know, anything could happen. Interest rates could go up, anything could happen because we're doing the exact thing that we shouldn't be doing. You know, Bill Clinton was a great Keynesian president because he saved during the boom. You know, it, it, so it's not, public policy is not one size fits everything. Sometimes you need a different tool. James, just on a lighter note, are you working most of the time? Are you enjoying? What What, what are you doing in your spare time? Well, I teach. Where are you teaching? At, at LSU. Oh, okay. That's, that's a lot of my time. I do some work. Uh, Brian Cunningham does some work together for a high-tech company. Uh, I speak around. I do, and I'm involved. I stay pretty involved in gotten not for pay. I work for like a democratic interest group that pays me, so I've gotten involved in these campaigns a little bit more. So I'm doing that. I don't. I used to do a lot of foreign campaigns. I don't pitch them anymore. It's too much travel. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you very much for being with us. Appreciate. It. Thank Appreciate you. It. Right, all right, all right. That was an abbreviated UCI conversations due to the UCI best baseball game coming up in just a minute. Zot, 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 go Anteaters. Thank you to Brian Cunningham and Ivan Williams from the UCI Cybersecurity Policy and Research Institute for all their help arranging this interview with James Carville. Next week, UCI Conversations will be celebrating the School of Medicine's Match Day, where the UCI medical students find out where their residency will be for the next several years, actually three to eight years. Join me next week for this special 45-minute show. And remember, you can always reach me at kboss at kuci.org. That's K-B-O-S-S at kuci.org would love to hear from you love to hear who you'd like to hear interviewed complaints compliments suggestions i'm totally open so let me hear from you the baseball game will be coming up in just a minute so hang on have a great evening everybody stay dry it sounds like it's going to be a pretty big storm and we will see you next week on UCI Conversations. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.